Welcome to I Missed It, the podcast where we watch and talk about a show that one of us wanted to watch again and the other one missed entirely. I'm Ryan and I missed it. And I'm Brittany and I didn't. And we are on Buffy Season 2, Episode 17, Passion, a word that is uttered at least a dozen times in this episode. The point is well made. Yeah. Angel steps up his torment of Buffy and her friends as Jenny searches for a way to restore his soul. Uh, I'm going to give this one like a nine. Yeah, I said 8.9. It was good. Yeah. It was largely good and deserves to be so. IMDb gives it a 9.4, which might be the best score yet. Hold for score check. Innocence was 9.3. Halloween was a 9. And the season one finale was a 9. So this is the highest rated episode of Buffy so far. Just Mm -hmm. barely, but it is. I don't know if it's my favorite episode so far, but most of it was pretty good. Yeah. Mostly because it was about Angel. Mm-hmm. It was, it felt like it was completely, like, structured around Angel. Well, he did have the opening, uh... Voiceover. Voiceover, thank you, as well as the closing voiceover, as well as... I don't know if he had the most lines in this episode, but he had a lot. Yeah. Well, didn't Buffy have the closing voiceover? Was it Buffy? I thought yeah. that was Angel. It, Angel taught, had the voiceover, and then Buffy took over the voiceover. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, this is the first time I've actually felt the need to say this in this rewatch for you, or for new watch for me, but if you haven't seen Buffy, there's a major spoiler in this episode that we are about to give away. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't watched this episode yet, you probably should. Yeah, if you've never seen this episode before. Yeah, if you do not know what happens, we are going to tell you what happens. Some big things happen. Yes. So Jenny's dead. Yep. That was gruesome and violent. Which is... Good. Almost... Good is what Angela should be. But it's almost hysterical that you say that it's gruesome because there's no blood. There's no blood, but... You're not wrong. You're correct. There's a lot of death in this show. Yeah. I thought we were going to talk about the actual Jenny death at the end of this episode, but let's just start with it. Mm -hmm. Jenny figures out a way to translate an old text so that she can restore... Angel's soul. Angel tracks her down in her office and then uh, destroys the records. And there's a floppy disk that we'll talk about later. The floppy disk that will save the world. But he chases her through the school and then down a couple of hallways. And there's a very weird scene where she tries to trip him with a (laughs) custodial cart. And it works way too well. And it gets uh, very comedic for a second. And it shouldn't. Um, and then they end up in front of this giant window, which I'm not sure what window it was, but it felt like an important window, and I'm not sure how they got there. But those are all very minor details. It's very impending. There's a sense of finality to this chase of Jenny that you know it's only going to end one way. Mm -hmm. And it does. 
and it's not long and drawn out. Jenny is not given time to say lines. Nothing really happens. Angel grabs her, says something, and then snaps her neck. Yeah. And we then watch her body limply fall. Yes. And then Angel has another line, and then the scene is done. Yeah. And that's how she dies. It was gruesome, it was violent, but no blood. Right. Because there couldn't be blood, because Angel needed the body. Yes. Which, in my mind, I was like, I understand why he snaps her neck, but I didn't know if you, as a first-time watcher of this episode, understood why he snapped her neck versus biting her. It makes sense that Angel was doing everything very, very deliberately and purposefully and had a farther plan, had more things to do. Mm-hmm. So it made complete sense to me in the moment. I'm also thinking directorially about that moment. If you know ahead of time Jenny's going to die and character death, especially recurring characters, is a thing and you need to treat it well and correctly because you need to give the performer their their due process, right? Let them have their moment somewhere. And she had other moments earlier in the episode. But if you want blood, if you want violence, if you want her to fall from somewhere or be uh, stabbed or speared or cut or whatever, you can do any of those things. But on this show, those are all mundane things. Being stabbed is something that happens every episode. Buffy stabs vampires almost every episode. People die every episode. Mm -hmm. So doing it this way with the finality and the ease with which Angelus does it is probably one of the best directorial choices, maybe even a writing choice at this point, who knows, that they've made in this show so far is that they killed her quickly, violently, and without blood. Yeah, and I think it's really important that she was killed by Angelus. So, uh, we have an angel sighting right off the bat. Immediately. Um, We are back in the bronze for the first time in many episodes. Angel is doing a voiceover, talks about passion, And then he is stalking Buffy. He shows up in Buffy's room. It's a whole thing. Uh, And then Angel is in this entire episode. This episode is almost about Angel. It's not because the show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. So how well did you remember this episode? Basically all of it. Like, I remember it very well. I really like this episode. I remember really liking this episode. Um, I remember the Angel voiceover... Which always, it makes me think of Glee, just because that's... Here's what you missed on Glee. Yeah, that's what I think of when you I think of... I killed a guy! <laughs> like, that's what you think of when you think of a voiceover. At least I do, because there's so much voiceover in Glee. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, He is watching... Angel's watching her sleep, a la Edward Cullen, and this is at least the third time that I have compared... <laughs> Angel to Edward Cullen. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the episode I edited yesterday. Yeah. It's reached the point where we need to start talking about how Edward Cullen is totally ripping off Angel. Yeah. Because Angel came first. Absolutely. And I would not be surprised at all if Stephanie Meyer was like, Ooh, I like Buffy and I like this character, but it's too dark for me. He needs to sparkle instead. (laughs) 
I remember that Angel can draw, and that is a big thing. Like, I don't remember if it happens anymore throughout Buffy, but um, Angel being able to draw is a big thing in Angel. Right. Because he had drawings or paintings up in his room, right? His place. I'm sure he did. I don't know if they were his, but I remember him caring about art. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember Jonathan and that other random teenage girl coming into the library to look for books. That was good. <laughs> they were looking for books in the library. About uh, Stalin. Yeah, about Stalin. And then Giles gave them directions and they were bad directions, which is the best part <laughs> because it's not like Giles lives in there or knows where everything is. Mm-hmm. He gave them bad directions mm-hmm. or they're incompetent. Yeah. I don't know which one's more I mean, likely. Jonathan's kind of incompetent. Um, I remember Willow teaching Jenny's class slash Jenny asking Willow to teach her class. Which is a shame because that it, it's such a good moment. Wouldn't happen anymore. No, I'm also so confused. Right. Like, I have a note here. The idea of a student subbing for a teacher had to be strange then. Right? Yeah. Because it's unheard of now. Like you wouldn't even suggest it. You wouldn't even suggest that at a collegiate level now no i guess the uh building sub doesn't know anything about computers maybe or there's a sub shortage which i mean makes sense but then you would just you just have somebody babysit the class you don't have a student take power no and she teaches quote-unquote teaches the class the rest of the season gotcha well she has to find that floppy disk yes and there's no way she can do it if she's not teaching the class yeah that is another thing that would work way better today is that scene where... So that whole scene is of Jenny translating is predicated on this is unknown technology that we can translate a book. Yeah. Basically. Uh, so that's very different now in 2020. Um, also, the floppy disk to save the world would totally be a USB drive now. Mm-hmm. Or the cloud. The cloud will save the world. Yeah, we would just need access to Jenny's. (laughs) Yeah, the rest of the season is uh, somebody trying to hack her teacher account. You know, (laughs) which who who hacks it first, Angel or Willow? Yeah, in twenty twenty, Google Translate gives Angel his soul back way earlier. Right. (laughs) Angelus would have would be for an episode. Yeah. Which would be a shame because Angelus is awesome. He's fantastic. He's so good. David Boyanus is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember Angel killing Willow's fish that she had not bonded with yet. Yes, she had not had time to bond <laughs> with the fish. So it was sad. It was only so, so sad. sad for her. It was so sad. There's just a lot of really good moments in this. It's great. And honestly, like earlier in this season, they had the two-parter where... Um, Angel and Buffy have sex, and then Angel becomes Angelus. That was important. But this episode feels like what they've been building towards. This is a climax, and you can tell. Yes. This, the the one where he turned into Angelus is not the, yeah, it's just. It was like the building block. Continuing to build to (laughs) this moment, right? Because that, and then we had the judge, and we had all of that happen. Like, that wasn't the point. This one was the point. Yeah. And from what I understand, um, when they did their, like, preview or trailer or whatever for this episode, 
they teased it with a character's going to die. Someone's going to die. Well, in 1998, I'm sure that's a huge thing. It, it Yes, it is a huge thing because also Jenny is the first recurring character who has died that wasn't a villain. Yes. All hail Lord Voldemort. Yes. Who I still don't know what uh, his reasonings and purpose was, but all hail Lord Voldemort. I just need to remind myself that Darla died, but she was there for like three seconds. Right. Yeah. I remember you talking about Darla. You're like, oh, it's Darla. Oh, it's Darla. And I'm like, who is this? I don't. She's already dead. Why do I care? Or like she showed up briefly. I'm like, what? She's that important? She's so important. Okay. She's not important (laughs) now. No, we'll get to, which I'm shocked that we haven't gotten to it yet. It must be in the finale when we get Angel flashback because we haven't gotten any Angel flashbacks. No, because we haven't actually had an episode from his point of view. Right. This one, there were moments where it seemed like it was his point of view, but even the voiceovers, it, it, it felt like we were listening after the fact. Yeah. Or, you know, someone else listening to Angel talk. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't like, it didn't feel like we were watching this episode through his eyes. He was just around a lot more. Um, I remember Drusilla trying to feed Spike a puppy. That was delightful. Uh, and the puppy was named Sunshine. Yep. She was trying to <laughs> feed Spike Sunshine, which is great on so many levels. It's great writing. And then it's also Juliet Landau just pulling it off she was in two scenes three scenes three three scenes like five minutes of screen time yeah and nearly stole the episode with her and this puppy Mm -hmm. that was terrified that puppy was shaking yeah and i'm sure it was the best day on set for all of them too yeah because she gives the puppy to Spike and he literally doesn't even bat an eye. He like takes the puppy and starts patting it in his yes, wheelchair. And he's in his wheelchair. It looks very, very Doctor Evil. Yeah, Doctor No stroking the the dog. It was a great moment, and they all just played it off perfectly. Like nobody questioned it. Yeah, because it's true. No one questioned anything. Yeah. <laughs> Side character shout out. The shopkeeper is the best. I, I wrote down boogity boogity store owner. <laughs> boogity boogity store owner. That's better than how he's listed. He's only credited as shopkeeper. Okay. He doesn't have a name. The shopkeeper was performed by Richard Assad, uh, who has been in such great flicks as Robin Hood Men in Tights, where he played the assistant Saracen guard. He was in Mars Attacks as the Saudi investigator. He was in Along Came Polly. So he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was on two episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Jenks Ingram, Jag, Will and Grace, Married with Children, NYPD Blue, Seinfeld. Matlock. Matlock. 
Yeah. So good for you, Richard Assad. Uh, he had a great bit. The 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 best bit for him was when uh, Jenny walks into a shop of oddities or whatever you want to think of it as, and he's doing a whole bit of he's playing up the foreignness and he's trying to sell her a love potion, and then she says, "I'm a true." Be-. Does she, does she say true believer? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Or something Something similar. to that effect. It's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm here for actual things. And his act, then he drops the accent and the bit mm-hmm. and has a very good and honest conversation with her and, like, challenges her on a couple of things, he which sa- is great. He says her name. Yes. He says her Both Romanian her name. Romanian name um, and knew her uncle who died mm-hmm. or was murdered, was angeled. Yeah. Murdered by angel, like yeah. like you do. Yeah, um, but that was great. Uh, he says, "Sorry for the whole spiel, Valentine's Day and all." Yeah, you know, just slipping that in there. Yeah, because the last episode was Valentine's Day. Yeah. Well, I called him the boogity boogity store owner because that's what Angel called the store. <laughs> the boogity, boogity boogity shop. Yeah. That's really the only side character because this yeah. was all about Angel. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was that was it. Yeah. All right, so my favorite line in this episode. Um, well, my favorite funny line is, this is the school library, Xander. Since when? <laughs> yes. And I don't think I've agreed with Xander more. Yes. It was very good. <laughs> what was yours? Um, I didn't write down the whole line, but it, because it was long, um, and it faded, but it was... <laughs> Willow talking to Buffy saying, sorry, I have to talk to her because she's a teacher and teachers are to be respected. (laughs) That was a good line because it was one of those lines where they were like walking away. Yeah. So if we hadn't had the captions on, I wouldn't have caught it. Yeah. I would have caught that they were walking away and talking, but not the actual dialogue. Yeah. And it was something about even if they're not an actual teacher, even if they're filling in for a teacher, because it could just erupt into pure chaos. (laughs) This is after uh, Jenny has asked her to... uh, watch the class in the yeah. morning basically i might be late please teach the class for me yeah I another also, thing that would not happen yeah i also had the uh five hours of lesson planning down the drain <laughs> yeah that hits home now huh yeah i was gonna say because i have those feels so my other favorite line for this that was not funny is something that giles says towards the end after he discovers the horribly gruesome and twisted thing that Angel has done. Um, Angel has left Jenny upstairs on his bed and has strewn candles and rose petals and pictures and wine and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole thing. Like, it's twisted and demented. And it's a side of Angelus that they've talked about, but we finally got to see it. Yeah. Uh, and it's so well crafted that scene is so well done it's just anthony stewart head acting he's not even talking yeah he just gets to the door opens the door and then we just see him experience it all and the camera just stays on his face yeah and he just does what he does and he's incredible the line that stuck out to me from that is after that happens you know he calls willow and buffy and tells them and then calls the police and the police show up and the police officer says we need to take you down to the station and it kind of snaps Giles out of it a little bit and he says um just and there's just one word he says he says procedure 
mm-hmm. a, a right procedure. Mm-hmm. And watching Giles, not even Anthony Stewart head in that moment, watching Giles grab onto that word like a lifeline mm-hmm. was incredible. It's the entire character. It's every bit of work that Anthony Stewart Head has done this as, as this character in one word. Yeah. And it's that one line that he's able to grab and hold on to something just to keep moving forward in this terrible moment. Mm-hmm. And you could see the entire acting beat, series of beats really just happen over his face. And it was amazing. Most of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I would not hold up to acting students as here this is how you act most of it you don't mm-hmm. uh, most of it's not anthony stewart head is the exception for a lot of this mm-hmm. he's very very good he's very very nuanced mm-hmm. especially when they give him something to hold on to and just go with yeah it was it was very good i didn't write down like notes after like after angel killed <laughs> Jenny because I was just watching uh-huh. because after that it's like perfection it's basically so good it's like. so good so I didn't write down anything but like I remember all of that I remember Giles taking his weapons and going to kill Angel his good weapons his good weapons because <laughs> he keeps the everyday weapons at the library um one thing that I did forget that is probably <laughs> My favorite thing in this entire episode is Giles goes to kill Angel, mm-hmm. to fight Angel. Yes. He starts fighting Angel, and Spike and Drew just peace out. Yeah. Spike and Drew do not do anything. Drew says something like, shouldn't we help him? And Spike says, no, he got himself into this, or something like that. Yeah, and they just, and then a fire starts and they leave. Yeah. She, he says, don't, don't go in unless he basically don't engage unless he engages you mm-hmm. is basically what Spike yeah. says to her and they literally just peace out it's great watching uh Drew wheel Spike out in that chair as there's a fire rage raging and a fight happening was a great visual yeah like it it's, was great it's in the corner and it's very deliberate like it's not like they just entered frame by accident no they staged it that way and they did it very purposefully and it's just a delightful little moment of wow the world's going crazy look at all of these horrible things that are happening do 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 peace out just wheeling away don't mind us it was my favorite moment of the entire episode i think (laughs) and i forgot that that happened Alright, so that's most of the big stuff. Yeah. That's most of the big stuff that happened in this episode. So let's get down into some of maybe some of the more details of this. We do see Angelus being able to control his vamp face. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in and out at will, which is not something we've specifically seen vampires really be able to do up to this point. It's also expensive. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure that's part of the reason. Uh, yeah, but that is CGI. interesting. 
because I had always thought that the vampire face and that demeanor and that uh, feeling was something that like a vampire had to kind of work their way into. Maybe they were really good at getting there. Like there, it's not quite a Bruce Banner hulking out into the Hulk moment, and then he has to like be calmed down. Not quite like that, but somewhere in that vein was how I was thinking of vampires. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I imagine that it takes practice to be able to go back and forth. Right. I am taking it as Angelus has been around for so long and has such fine control over his state, I'll say, yeah. that we're able to see vampires do other things. Mm-hmm. I guess a kind of a big thing that we didn't talk about was they revoked... Um, Angel's invite to Buffy's house. Yes, they did. He can um, no longer can go no into longer their go house. Into their house can't go into Willow's house anymore either. Correct. Um, which is something they've been building towards that happening. Mm-hmm. They've talked about it a couple of times already. Yes, I, I imagine that the book that Jenny gave Giles had that answer. I was a little surprised that Giles, in with all of his knowledge and preparedness had not already thought of this because they had already talked about Angel being welcomed into people's houses when he was Angel. Right. I'm taking that as he knew Jenny had the book. I'm wondering if he knew Jenny had the book and he was not ready to talk to her yet. And that's why. And it hadn't gotten to the point of them actually being afraid for Buffy's life. Maybe. I just assumed that the second Buffy started dating a vampire, he went, oh, you know, he's been in her room. He's been in her house. At some point, if this breaks bad, we need to make sure that can't happen. Right. I mean, you'd think that, but I guess not. Maybe not. No, I know. It was in the book that got stolen. From the library. It was that book. Uh, Cordelia remains the worst. She's very, very concerned about her own safety and the safety of her car. Because Angel rode in her car at one point. She gave him a ride from the school to somewhere else. That happened on camera. Yeah. Um, So she fixes this by swapping cars with her grandmother. Yeah. So that Cordelia will be perfectly safe in the car that Angel is not allowed in. Whereas the car that Angel is allowed in, Grandma probably doesn't drive that much, right? (laughs) She'll be fine. Cordelia's worse. going back to the shopkeeper in that store I really enjoyed the image even in 1998 of buying witchcraft supplies with a credit card like just that dichotomy of thought was off-putting but also delightful like like, oh yeah you know you want your eye newt yeah just swipe here yeah, it, it's 2020. Can you buy uh, ginger and uh, frog's legs and poisons? And you can do that with Apple Pay, right? 
you just tap your phone, take your supplies, and go throw them in your cauldron. Mm-hmm. You can totally do that, right? Yeah, they <laughs> hang out in the um, magic store. The boogity like, boogity shop? <laughs> yeah, while well, it becomes a, the magic box, and they hang out there pretty frequently in later seasons because Giles ends up owning it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Can't be in the library anymore. I mean, no. There's a reason. (laughs) Joyce was a mom. Yeah, let's talk about Joyce. There's a couple things we could talk about for her and her character. She has to talk with Buffy about sex, which apparently Joyce has never done. Um, But she says she hasn't had this conversation. Um, And they, there's a, it's a really good scene between Joyce and Buffy where Joyce is yelling at her as she should be. Yeah. And Buffy's just kind of taking it. Yeah. It was a really good scene. Joyce is, Joyce is a really good mom and it's nice when they let her be a good mom and they don't just do the stereotypical teen drama mom where they suck. Yeah, they suck, or they're so not engaged, or they're, it's just lip service, or they're not there. Or... Yeah, they're like the, they're sleeping with their friends, or whatever, like, <laughs> happens in a lot of teen dramas. Yeah, it, it's not that. It's, oh no, you're having sex? Wait, what? You're having sex? Okay, we're going to talk about this right yeah. now. And then, um, I, you can, you can back me up on this one, I was so happy when Joyce made it a huge deal to point out how much older Angel is. Yeah. <laughs> so much older than Buffy, it's not okay. Joyce thinks he's a college boy. Yeah. She said he's he's older. Too old. <laughs> Too old. Thank you, Joyce Summers. I also want to point out that there is the, the scene between Angel and Joyce is very good. <laughs> That was a very good scene. That is not the way I thought that scene was going to go. He he helps her pick up her groceries. But he's acting like an addict. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I took that because he's literally picking up the oranges so fast he throws one. Yeah, he's very he's frantic. He can't do anything about it. And even after at the end of that scene is where the spell ends and he can't go into the house. Like he doesn't look like uh, the game has just been upped. Right? Or, like, mm-hmm. he made his move and they made a good move back and the chess game continues. Like, that's not what it is, even though that's what it feels like Angel is playing mm-hmm. the whole time. It's because yeah. he's, he's redoing what he did with, did with and to Drusilla to an extent. Basically, yeah. But when he gets shut out, he doesn't look like, he doesn't act like someone who has realized their opponent is playing well. Yeah. Right? And that he has to up his game. He looks forlorn. Yeah. Right? He looks like there's something in there that, like, there's something inside of him that, you know, really actually wants or needs this. Yeah. David Boreanaz didn't have to show up for a set that day, but he did. Yeah. He'd shown up the rest of the week. He didn't need to show up that night, but he did. Yeah. Angel, or Angelus is a manipulator. Yes, he's brutal and he's gruesome, but he makes people crazy and he kills to make to just for fun and to make people crazy. I think we also should remember that Angelus has never killed a slayer before. 
And Spike is killed three. Right. And two. Sorry. Two. Spike is killed two. <laughs> Spike is killed two. He does not kill another. And I don't think Angelus even necessarily kills because he likes killing. He kills because he likes manipulating or watching terror or yeah. sowing destruction. Like he's not Dexter. I, I, or no, or I other serial killers in that vein, right? Yeah. Like, he's not a serial killer. He is a serial killer. But, because that's, by definition, what they are. Yeah. But he isn't killing because he feels the need to kill. He's killing to manipulate or to mess with someone's head or to feed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, like that woman he kills in the alley, just very... Uh, casually kills that woman in the alley at the beginning of the episode, right? He did that to feed. Yeah. Um, he yeah. he ha- has not killed just for fun. He's not going on a killing spree just to go on a killing spree. He has a motive. Right. Behind it. Yeah. Which... Because Puffy should be dead like seven times over. Yeah. Not even just by Angel. But yeah, yeah, not even just by Angel. But Buffy should be dead like three times in this episode. Mm-hmm. If he wanted to kill her, he could have. Yes, if Angelus wanted to kill the Slayer, like Spike wants to kill the Slayer, she would be so dead. Yeah, and I'm sure that that is the case with other Slayers that he has possibly come in contact with, if he's ever come in contact with a Slayer before. Maybe. I mean, it's been 250 years, so, or however long, 230 right. years, probably. Yeah, but the last hundred of them, he had a soul, so. Mm-hmm. Vampire that, with a soul. That didn't matter. I'm pretty sure and, um, Spike's, Spike. Spike's been killing him in the meantime. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Spike's first Slayer that he kills is after Angel's already have, Angel already has a soul. Gotcha. Let's talk about Spike and Drusilla for just a second, because why do Spike and Drusilla want to kill the Slayer? Just to kill the Slayer at this point? Yeah, I think so. It's just to kill the Slayer at this point, because at one point Spike said, we're supposed to kill the Slayer, or I something mean, to that extent, and it sounded sounded just vague enough, like there was a higher power directing them to do this, like they had been paid to take on this job. Uh, or something like that. Yeah, I w- uh, and I w- that's not what this was. No, they nobody's paid them to take to do that. Um I think they are saying they need to kill the slayer or they have to kill the slayer because they're vampires and she's a vampire slayer. If they don't kill yeah, her, they she'll die. Probably end up killing them. Yeah. Because the whole reason they're here and we're hunting the slayer in the first place was to restore Drew. Yeah. That's how all of that started. I believe so. Because they knew that the Watcher had the book and that they could get all the parts of the judge and they could do the ritual for Drew and they could do all of that. They needed access to the Slayer and the Watcher and what they had. And the easiest way to do that would have been to kill the Slayer. Yep. Now they're just hanging out because Spike can't walk. Right. 
And we've never seen Drew drive a car. Spike knows how to drive a car, but we've never seen Drew drive a car. She might not know. I don't know if I would trust Drew Silla behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Either version of her. <laughs> of course, cars are generally not made of wood, so even if she wrecked it and had an accident, like, and she got impaled by, you know, metal or, you know, the airbag snapped her neck, like, she'd be okay. Right. But also, like, she was alive centuries ago. Yeah, before cars. Before cars. Yeah, she knows how to ride a horse. Probably not drive a car. here i think uh joyce says uh two things to buffy at the beginning that i want to repeat i've read all the parenting books you can't surprise me yep that's a lie yep uh angel the college boy who tutors you in history yes because um because he did come over at one point he did come over after and yes he came over and they were making out in her bedroom after he got hurt right the yellow floppy disk will save the world Yep. Someone's bound to find find it at some point. Yeah. We have like Custodians. five episodes left. Uh, how many orbs of Thessala are there? Well, the orb of Thessala is the thing that Jenny went and bought from the boogity boogity shop. And Angel smashed it. And Angel smashed it. I was confused because at different points in the episode, they talk about, oh yeah, you can just go get an orb of Thessala. The gypsy tribe makes them. Mm-hmm. Right, like, it's a thing. You can just go buy one if you know where to look. Yeah. And can afford it. Like, it seemed like a rare thing, but there were many. But they also often called it the Orb of Thessala, mm-hmm. and it made it feel like there was one. Which doesn't make sense, because that's how they trapped Angel Soul in the first place, right? Yes. So there's at least three. Right, because, because there was the, the first, first one, one, the one that was smashed, and then the Angel, sticks, a- Angel sticks around... <laughs> So there's one more coming. One later. Uh, either, Minimum one later. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's one in Angel, I think, at least. Yeah. It just felt like a lore thing they were trying to introduce, and it was introduced inconsistently. Which yeah. I mean, I would... Bogged me a little bit, but... Yeah. I would say the word the just because that's maybe the name of it, and they're not saying, like, it's the only one, but, like, it's... But when the. they she walked into the shop and she said, do you have the Orb of Thessala? I want to buy it or something like that. But not, do you have an Orb of Thessala? But, like, maybe the name is the Orb of Thessala. Do you know what I mean? Like, some things have the word the. Sure, like the Ohio State University. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do vampires feel heat? Yes. Okay, so that's good enough reasoning for Angel to be warming himself over a computer fire. I mean, even if they don't, it's for show. Yeah, like, he's like literally a, playing a game with her. It's instinctual. Yeah. At that point. It was just such a human thing. Mm-hmm. 
to do in that moment that it jumped out at me. I have a question. Wouldn't Giles be under investigation for the murder of Jennifer Calendar? <laughs> you, you'd think so, right? You'd think that. Nobody else was there. Mm-hmm. And... Like, he did call the cops. There is no blood. So I'm sure that's part of it. There are also not really signs of a struggle. And she's just dead. But her neck is broken. But her neck is broken. And he is shell-shocked. And he does have a lot of weapons in the place. Right. I can understand them taking him to the station. Mm-hmm. And not handcuffing him because and arresting him because there's rules that have to happen as soon as you arrest someone. And you have so many hours to prove it and all of that stuff. And he was willing to go. And he was willing to go and he was right and all of those things. What I don't understand is them releasing him and letting him back into his home as an active crime scene within hours. And not confiscating all of those weapons. Yeah, why wouldn't they take the weapons? Or maybe they just didn't pay attention to them because I don't know. They were, they were downstairs and she and was not upstairs. Where she was. I don't know, maybe. But he would not have been allowed back into his home. No. The Scooby gang would not have been able to get into that home. There would have been a cop guarding. It's an active crime scene. Right. Right. And especially with all of the candles and roses and everything, like it's very easy to chalk it up to a crime of passion. Yeah. And I mean, they would have obvi- they would have done their investigation where there doesn't there's no struggle in the house. I was just confused why he wasn't arrested or under investigation for the murder of Jennifer Calendar. Yeah, that part did not make any sense to me. He should have been. Mm-hmm. Our last segment is Ryan predicts poorly, and you know they got more lines to pass around now because Jenny's not there. So I think in the next episode. We're going to get some major Oz time. I don't remember. He's going to come back. He's going to have a bunch of good one-liners. He's going to be delightful. It'll be a breath of fresh air after this horribly violent death. Yeah. I was a little surprised that he didn't show up at some point in this episode just because Willow needed someone. Yeah. This was not about Willow, though. So, do you know how much harder it would be to find the yellow floppy disk if it was a USB drive? Yeah. Absolutely. It would take so much more time. Well, let's wrap up here. This has been Buffy Season 2, Episode 17, Passion. You can find us on Twitter at I Missed It Pod, And you can check out our network at ghostlightmedia.net. Find our Patreon and our merch store. All of the links right there on the Ghostlight website. Leave us a five-star rating. That would be super cool. And a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, other ones. That I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but reach out to us on Twitter and tell us uh, tell us what your gut reaction was to the snapping of Jenny Calendar's neck. How visceral was it? <laughs> Mine was pretty visceral. Like I had a, that was the first visceral reaction I think I've had to this show. But that'll do it for this episode. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brittany. And don't forget, vampires never chip in for gas. Ever.
This has been a Ghost Light Media production.